Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Uncovered. I'm so excited to welcome to the podcast Misha Espivov, co-founder and CEO of Nova Credit. Hi, Misha. Thank you for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. I want to take it back. Can you give us some insight on your background and where you're from? Sure. So I was um, I was originally uh, from from Russia. I was born um, back in the Soviet Union uh, in, in the good old days. I'm being sarcastic there, and I moved to the U.S. when I was a uh, when I was a kid, um, bounced around a fair bit. So lived in, in the Midwest in uh, Illinois and Wisconsin, and then mostly grew up um, on the East Coast in New Jersey. Spent about uh, eight years in New York, went to college there, and then have been in California for most of the last seven years. Where did you attend college? Uh, I went to NYU, New York University. So how did you start um, the idea of Novik Credit? Uh, my, my background and, and ultimately how, how I got to, to the business. So when I, I studied um, math uh, and finance in undergrad, um, you know, was, was on the like finance train for a couple of years. Um, so worked at a, at a big bank called Goldman Sachs and then uh, at a private equity firm and ultimately found myself in this position where, you know, I, I was um, I just wasn't that excited about the path forward. I wanted I wanted to like um, push myself more. I wanted to experiment more to do something like breaking my own my own trail and so I ended up going to going to grad school I was just ex- experimenting with a variety of, of different business ideas and I didn't go to grad school with, with the intent of like starting a company but it's definitely something I wanted to learn learn more about um, and so <clears throat> ended up um, going to Stanford and ended up just going in, in one of these entrepreneurship classes where I realized uh, where, where the, kind of the premise of the class was you have to be very user-centric you have to be constantly asking very broad-based questions and really understanding a particular user and, and the, you know, the problems that they face. And for us, you know, the, we were really interested in, in how do students make financial decisions? How do, how do our fellow classmates uh, get a credit card? Do they have a credit card? Who do they go to for advice? Do they have a student loan? Uh, who do they go to for, for advice? How do they make that decision? Um, what were the rates and the amounts and how do they ultimately set up that calculus? So we were just asking a lot of broad-based questions around that. And uh, we quickly realized that half of the people uh, that we were speaking with were uh, new to the U.S. They were, they, you know, they were immigrants or international students, um, and 100% of that half would tell us the same story about how uh, when you first move to the U.S., it's really hard to get access to the financial system. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were hearing these stories about how, you know, um, they couldn't get a credit card or couldn't get an, a student loan or couldn't get a auto loan or they had to go bother their uh, a classmate to co-sign an apartment with them or put them on their family plan at, you know, a telco carrier like a T-Mobile or a Verizon or AT&T. And it just became really clear that um, recent immigrants in the U.S. for their first few years are really treated like second-class citizens uh, in terms of their ability to access basic financial services. And so we set out to solve that. How did you take the steps to start your own business and company? Um, so f- fortunately, I, you know, we, ha- we had the benefit of being part of like a, you know, a, a series of classes that helped us, um, you know, better formulate uh, our understanding of the problem. Um, and so that was really user research based. Then we did a lot of desktop homework. So, you know, getting online, Googling, understanding what is the credit system? Um, what are credit bureaus? How do they differ around the world? Um, why do they exist? 
um, and just doing a lot of a lot a lot of research, um, and then ultimately getting towards uh, you know starting to do rapid testing of what a different product solution could look like to solving this problem. Once you were doing that testing, was there a next step that you went on to create the business? Um, I know you have a co-founder. How did you working together um, play a role in starting a business? So we were, we were it was originally three of us, um, sort of in this uh, during during the founding stage. You know, testing various approaches to how to solve the problem, and you know, I, I can I can explain the problem in, in more length and, and better explain the business if that's a if it's a good time to kind of yeah. You know, maybe I'll take a step back. So there are, the U.S. has three credit bureaus. They're called Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. And these credit bureaus exist to collect data from the financial sector, so from banks, in order to make that data back, uh, available back to them so that those banks can understand who uh, the various uh, applicants that are applying for their products are and uh, have they been uh, good borrowers in the past, or have they been bad borrowers uh, in the past? And so these these credit bureaus, um, despite you know having you know a, a pretty tricky rep out there uh, in, in in the market, serve an incredible amount of good and and, and do you know have a really uh, important purpose in in creating this uh, information database that allows banks to make sound uh, financial decisions that allow them to uh, better understand who their applicants are, and. You know, as somebody who's now been in the U.S. for you know for 30 years, um, I have spent you know more than a decade building my credit history. So I you know I got my first credit card at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase uh, when I was a student. I believe it was a secured card, and then it became an unsecured card. And I've you know I've continued to use that card, transact on it, borrow on it, pay it back, and I've built a lot of credit history for myself. And so when I go and apply for another credit card or for an auto loan or for a mortgage. Uh, that lender can look at my credit history and say, okay, well, Misha has actually done a good job of, of using debt in the past. He's consistently repaid. Therefore, you know, he has a good uh, credit profile and I should be able to, uh, to lend to him more comfortably and give him a better rate. Mm -hmm. um, the, but the problem is when, when you're a recent immigrant, you haven't had 10 years to build your credit history, right? You just got here. And so you have no identity, no credit history. You're basically starting over. And one of the, the unique um, components of our, of our business is that we realized that, you know what, this, this credit reporting industry, this credit bureau industry that exists here in the US actually exists all around the world. And so millions of people move to the US every year and uh, they may not have any US credit history when they arrive, but they do have credit history back in their home country. Mm -hmm. And so basically what we do is we will allow a consumer to access the history that they had built in their home country. So let's say they, uh, they live. They used to live in Mexico or Canada or the UK or India or Australia. And we would tap into that data, and we would allow them to access their own information, bring it into the U.S., and get approved for financial products here in the U.S. using their foreign history. And that's really the the core of the business. So coming coming back to your to your question around, you know, how are we iterating? How are we getting started? Um, one of the very simple things we did when we were still like iterating and trying to learn was. One of my co-founders went and, and, and pulled her uh, credit history from the UK. She did it herself. She went to like equifax.co.uk. She pulled her credit history. We, um, you know, something you can just do online. We reformatted that report, printed it out, walked into a bank and we're like, hey, like here's a foreign credit report. Can you get us approved uh, with this? And obviously the bank was like, I don't know what this is. I can't, you know, I can't approve you off of this piece of paper. Like I, don't, I can't rely on this. But it was, it's an example of how we started to get smarter 
on you know, how do banks make decisions and what's the right way to break into um, their credit risk systems and get them to start using new information. What countries do you work with and how do you gather the information from them? So when, when we first started, you know, we, we looked at uh, various visa databases. So uh, the U.S. State Department publishes a monthly report of all visas that are issued uh, here in the U.S. And so there's about 10 million visas that get issued every, every year. Um, and then we looked at those visas, looked at the right uh, set of categories. So how many are coming here as students? How many are coming here for work? How many are coming here for love and for family preference, which is sort of the, the third category. Um, and we looked at those uh, visa categories and we ranked which countries contribute the most immigration to the US. And so, uh, you know, as, as you might expect, the biggest contributors are India, Mexico, China, Canada, the UK, Brazil, Nigeria, uh, and, 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 and then the list goes on. And so we basically, we went out to the, every one of those markets and we thought, okay, um, well, what are the credit bureaus like in these markets? So we went to Mexico and we looked around and we figured out that there are two credit bureaus in Mexico and we managed to sign up our first one. Um, and, uh, and now we work with both, uh, both of them. So two out of two in Canada, same thing. There are two, we work with two out of two in the UK. There are three, we work with one of the three, but that, that process involved doing a lot of homework, um, reaching out to these local credit bureaus and convincing them that, you know, they're sitting on a database that uh, they could be using to support people and getting access to financial services here in the US, but they're not currently doing that and we can help them do it. What customers do you mainly focus on? So um, the way I talk about our business is we have a supply side and a demand side. So our, mm -hmm. our supply side is where are we accessing information? How are we getting access to this information? That's mostly comprised of these credit bureaus that I've been talking about. So the credit bureaus in Mexico, the credit bureaus in India and Canada, et cetera. Our demand side is who do we make that information available to so long as the consumer wants that information to go to them. And so we started with student lending. Um, so helping international students get a student loan so that they can actually come to the US and, and start their studies. Then we went after the credit card space. So uh, we work with partners like American Express uh, who can use this information to get a recent immigrant approved from the very first day that they arrive here uh, in the U.S. Uh, and then since then, we've also expanded into another of, of those other problem areas that I raised uh, at the very beginning. So helping people get apartments. So if you don't have credit history, uh, you it's really hard to sign a lease or your landlord is going to require you to put down a very large deposit. And so if you can prove that you have credit history, we can remove most of the deposit requirement or getting a cell phone plan. You need credit history to get a cell phone plan that's postpaid, and you also need credit history to get financing for your iPhone or your device. Um, and so those are other examples of how our data and our infrastructure, our capabilities can allow immigrants to get access to all the services that they need. Um, in regards to international students, what is the process like for them to get a loan for school? Um, so we're not a lender, we're, we're a data provider. So, uh, you know, that the international student would go to um, you know, one of our partners as an example. So for, so for example, we work with a company called Empower, uh, which is uh, one of the leading international student lenders out there. And they would apply for a student loan uh, with Empower as part of that application journey. That user would interact with Nova Credit and Nova Credit would, say, would allow them to go and select where are they from. So let's say the student is from India. Uh, and if you're from India, we would allow you to pull your history from one of the two leading credit bureaus in India and consent to allowing that information to go to Empower so that uh, that increases your likelihood of being approved and can help you get you a better rate. That's unreal and amazing that you guys found a way for those students 
to be able to go to school and to get these services. So oh, come on. It's, a, it's, a, it's a life's work and we've got, we've got a lot more to do. <laughs> you seem very passionate about it, which is amazing. Thank you. Well, okay. it's, it's, it, it, it takes a lot of passion and persistence to, yeah. um, to build a business like this. What is the next steps for Nova Credit? Yeah, so um, you know we're, we're growing across several vectors um, at the same time. So uh, on our supply side, we're constantly adding uh, new countries as fast as we can. Um, so we just released um, uh, country integrations in the Philippines and uh, Germany and Spain and Switzerland and Austria. Uh, so our, our product and engineering and data teams have been hard at work to build those country integrations to allow people from those countries to be treated more equally when they when they first arrive here uh, in the U.S. Um, on the demand side, we're, we're um, consistently pushing to, um, you know, partner up with new credit card issuers, uh, new lending partners. So we recently, uh, we're starting to move uh, deeper into the auto space, uh, as well as the telecom space, as well as the um, uh, property management space. So expanding into additional verticals to serve those other use cases I mentioned. Um, and then we're, we're also expanding uh, internationally. Uh, which is which is kind of cool. So um, obviously the U.S. is not the only recipient of immigration, uh, and so today we can access data in about 20 different countries, and we can allow that information to come to to the U.S. Um, but in, in in a few months we'll be able to also allow that information to move to other markets like Singapore, uh, the United Kingdom, uh, Canada, uh, the UAE, Australia, and a few others. And so ultimately we'll be able to support immigrants that are moving across all of the major uh, immigrant corridors. So a corridor would be like India to the US or India to the UK are two very large corridors. China to Hong Kong is a very large, uh, very large corridor. Malaysia to Singapore is a very large corridor. And so, you know, anytime that there are a lot of immigrants moving from one country to another, there's an opportunity for us to help people get access to financial services. Just a quick question for you. What advice do you have for a young entrepreneur wanting to start their own company? Don't, don't start a company just to start a company. Start, start a company because you, you deeply care about your user. Mm -hmm. uh, because you, you're really passionate about the problem. And when, as you're, I think an, another element of that is solving a problem first. So like uh, make sure that you're focused on a need and be maniacally focused in understanding all the intricacies of that need and how different users have that need slightly differently. And if you're, if you're problem first, if you're need first, you have a much higher likelihood uh, of being able to identify a product solution that can actually innovatively solve um, solve that need, um, and you know, don't be afraid to iterate and try again. And you know, on on one side you have to be like brutally persistent and push, push, push. Uh, on the other side, you have to be able to take a step back and recognize if you hit if you've hit a dead end and and experiment and try something else. And so it ultimately takes a balance. And you know, I, I iterated on on several very different ideas before landing on uh, on on this one, and it took you know it took a couple of years before really really honing in on on a very clear problem statement that we've now been able to solve. Lastly, in your eyes, what makes a great CEO? I think somebody who really cares about their team and is very um, people first, but you have to also strike that with the right balance of accountability and treating people like like adults. Um, and you know, expecting expecting high performance uh, from from your team and your organization, uh, because ultimately you want to you want to assemble a group of people who thrive in an environment where they're learning, where they're being challenged, uh, where they're growing. And only in the face of challenge are you really pushing yourself to be as good as you can be. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.